0: Somewhere in the world there's a Mrs. Mr. Addison. Yeah. No, a former Mrs. Mr. Addison.
1: Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, You have come to the
2: right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about moonlighting. When we talk about moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy Award winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes.
1: We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now this is going to take several years as you can imagine so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of
2: interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right and we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are and even if you have some trivia to disclose. Our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com and we will include you in our future episodes.
1: So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna?
2: I sure am. Well, Well, let's let's get started.
1: Now that we're talking about the dance sequence, Shauna, wouldn't it have been great to have um, Scott Ryan here with us to talk about it as well?
2: Yes, Um, when he's been on a few times in the past, we've touched on this uh, dream sequence um, a little bit, and I know he has some strong views. It would have really been nice if he could have joined us. Maybe there's a way that we can conjure him up, Grace. How should we do that? Didn't he say something about Wooly Bully three times, and he would appear? We could try it.
1: Yeah, that's true. Shall we try it? Shall we say it together?
2: Let's say it together. Let's try it.
1: Okay. Ready? One, two, three.
2: Wooly Bully. Wooly Bully.
0: (laughs) Wooly
2: bully. Wooly
0: bully. So I will take a large uh coffee with a cre- Wait a minute. What the How am I here? I was just in the Starbucks drive through and now I'm on the Moonlighting podcast? Oh my gosh, you guys didn't wooly bully me, did you? We sure did. Oh my gosh. It worked. We conjured you up. Because I mean, you know I what? I told you to only use this in in the most sacred of reasons. So what's going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, I need my my caffeine hit. You're going to be happy
2: because we're at a point in the podcast that you wanted to discuss with us and we just didn't have time to organize it, but we're doing the dance sequence for Mulberry Street.
0: Oh, man. Now, well, that's, that's much better than a cup of coffee then. I mean, I'm going to put on my, sh- my dancing shoes and I'm going to strut yes. like I'm Bruce and sandal. Fabulous. Yes. So you're up for it? I'm up for it all right grace we got him we got him Woo-hoo. i mean let's <laughs> just be thankful that's what i was doing it could have been embarrassing oh <laughs> um, my gosh i know i mean i never thought of that shauna <laughs>
2: <laughs> what else would you be doing on at 8 p.m on a saturday scott come on
0: that's true if it was nine o'clock on a saturday <laughs> then we would have really had something while we're talking all things billy joel yeah. Um yeah. I I am so glad to yeah. be here on your Big Man on Mulberry Street episode and um I'm going to tell a little story about this episode because this is the only episode of Moonlighting that I didn't watch when it originally aired on television. Ooh. I had seen every episode of Moonlighting except this one, which is so weird because why didn't I ever catch it in a rerun, Um, Mm. but I didn't. And I was in high school and I loved Moonlighting so much, was my favorite show, and I loved Billy Joel. I was a huge Billy Joel fan. And the fact that there'd be an episode with both is crazy that I would miss it. But I was dating my first girlfriend that I was dating and we ended up making out that night the whole way through moonlighting and then we broke up like maybe two weeks later (laughs) so I picked this girl over moonlighting which is horrible but what am I going to do I'm 17 that's what you do and then I never saw this all the way to when it was on lifetime which was quite a few years later and it was the strangest experience to see a new episode of Moonlighting all those years later. Well, and one of the best I episodes. I think so. Isn't this your favorite episode? Um, it's very close between this and Womb with a dream. Womb with a dream? Womb with a view. View. Womb with a view. I think this is the best episode of Moonlighting. And I think Womb with a View is my favorite. I think that's the difference. Okay. This episode is gotcha. The best one. What do you guys feel about me saying this is the best episode? Do you guys want to argue with me at all?
1: Um. Yeah.
0: And what I mean by that is quality. uh, I'm just saying, from quality, from production, from writing, from acting, from lighting, from directing. Like when you put all those things together, I just think this is the highest quality episode of Moonlighting. That's what I. That's my contention.
1: Yeah. To put this episode together in that short amount of time, even though they did have an extra week to rehearse the dance sequence, I agree, it probably is the best episode um, just for sheer quality and just ahead of their time with all different aspects of this episode, Um, having Stanley Donnan direct and getting Sandel Bergman and spending all that time rehearsing the dance sequence. It was ahead of its time. There wouldn't have been episodes like that back then in the 80s for a TV show anyway
2: we've talked a lot about this season and the the high quality of production acting just the time the effort you can just tell that they put so much into season three yeah is it the best considering everything that you're saying as far as acting quality you know what they put into it as far as you know just this dance sequence in the middle which is so unique especially for television at that time i think you're right in those ways they would be like the best of in different aspects but firing on all cylinders yeah i agree
0: well, because like the black and white episode is incredible, but True. Sybil isn't given a scene like she's given on that side of the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Bruce Willis, his monologue after this dance. I yeah. mean, they, they were just given opportunities um, that I don't yeah. know that, you know, and in best is kind of, of a crazy thing but i'm just saying from a quality because like i say my Mm -hmm. heart might be with the shakespeare episode or womb with a view or and you know i'm a i love cool hand dave part two as well so there's other things that you might love and want to watch a million times but i'm flabbergasted that this did not win every emmy Mm -hmm. that year Mm -hmm. like i don't understand how the directing didn't win in the writing for this episode I'm, i'm flabbergasted
2: yeah, Moonlighting did not win enough awards I'd say dream sequence is the most beautiful episode yeah this one like like we said firing on all cylinders but yeah there's so many other highlights as well in this season and uh some in season four definitely
1: i know we always say that Moonlighting was shot like a movie but this one was really shot like a movie and this is why i think they were given that great opportunity to actually act in a serious way and that's why the bedroom scenes are just phenomenal
0: um so you know there's things you get to do in your life that it's hard to keep in your head and during covid and and it was in the in the thick of covid like thick of quarantine covid i watched this Mm -hmm. episode with sybil shepherd over the phone isn't that crazy
1: that's just amazing amazing that's so yeah, wonderful.
0: Well, tell us it about it. It was so incredible. So we it was adorable because we set up our um, I think this was even before Zoom. I don't think we Zoomed. I'm, I'm almost sure we didn't. Um, OK, we set up our DVDs together like she had hers ready to go. I had hers. I said, put it in, like have a play and then hit pause. And then I think we like said, like, do you see the M in the lighting or whatever is like on the opening <laughs> credits yeah. or whatever we did? And I said, I see it. And then I said, you know, when we say go, we both hit pause. And then if you want to stop, just say pause and I'll pause. And I think it took us like two hours to watch it because she paused so many times to talk through it. Um, but she hadn't watched you remember- it at all. she had never seen it. Really? She didn't think she really? even watched it when it was on.
2: Wow. And why you know, is that? Admitted.
0: Um um I think she was just busy and you know, I mean, they were they were so popular at that time. I just don't think they were probably working every Tuesday night at 9. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> they probably were yeah. still on set. Um I and up. I remember her laughing, like especially in the beginning part cuz the beginning is a little silly of this episode you Mm -hmm. know um with her and mr pesto and all the stuff that sybil's doing and then when we got to the bedroom scene where she gives her things sybil said this is the best thing i ever did she's like that's you know she i think she even got a little emotional yeah on her monologue. Mm -hmm. um, so it was A crazy thing I got to do. So I'm sorry that all y'all had COVID and you had to be quarantined. But (laughs) I don't think I would have got to watch Big Men on Mulberry Street with Sybil Shepherd if it wasn't for the pandemic. So thank you, millions and billions of people, for suffering for years for me.
2: (laughs) So you could have one one special moment. Well, you're welcome, Scott. We're happy to sacrifice
0: for that moment for you. you.
1: Something good did come out of the pandemic. You got to watch TV with Sybil Shepherd. How good's that?
0: I know. It was really fun. And I remember she, Um, I don't think she remembered the twist at the end. I know you haven't got up to that part yet because we're to the dance, but I think it took her by surprise. It was really fun to watch it with her in a way because, yeah. you know, she didn't know it. Um, And she loved it. And she loved Bruce. Like I, it's so funny how people, whenever I'm interviewed, they want me to say Bruce and Sybil hated each other, but I never got any of that from Sybil, not a second of it. She Mm -hmm. loved everything Bruce did in the episode, you know, loved Mr. Pesto um, loved them all. So,
2: yeah, you know, it's funny when you watch, I mean, the commentary is what we have the most of them speaking about the show after the fact, every time Bruce is watching Sybil with uh, whoever he's watching it with, you know, uh, my fair David, he did with Will McKenzie, or Sybil watching Bruce with whoever, you know, she's doing the commentary with, they always say nice things, even Bruce, you know, they're always like really complimentary towards each other in those commentaries and stuff. And, and then they did atomic together, and you could kind of get that camaraderie from them, you know, you could, you could almost hear them being playful together and stuff. So they always describe it like a marriage, right? So there were good days and bad days and ups and downs and, you know, frustrations. But I think at the end of the day, they respected each other.
0: Yeah. And I think also, you know, when time goes by, you kind of carry the good with you, not the bad. Yes. So, or at least you are absolutely hope, hope that you will.
2: Did she remember any of the frustrations on this episode? Because there are some stories about this episode, like at the end, that Glenn didn't like how
0: she was playing that with Tess. You know, I remember pressing her on that and being nervous about pressing her on that. And I I remember that Mm -hmm. she would admit that her acting wasn't as good in the scene with Tess as it was in the monologue. And she said, there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. She said, I can see it. You know something's up with me yeah so while she couldn't remember she couldn't remember the details she could tell which i thought as an actor you probably can tell when you're acting and when you're not you know what i mean uh but she she doesn't remember i mean she's lived quite a life i'm sure one day of someone yelling at you is probably hard to remember i have a feeling it happened more than one day
2: no i know exactly In one of the commentaries, I think she's with Glenn. I think it's for every daughter's father is a virgin. She did mention that she did not get along with Stanley Donnan and that uh, she kind of said, I don't know what was wrong with me. I think I was jealous that Sundal got to spend so much time with Bruce.
0: (laughs) It makes sense. And I think she might've said something similar to me. I'm not sure if I'm remembering that from the commentary Mm -hmm. or from there, it's hard to say. But they had to have a quote-unquote real dancer. I'm not taking anything away from Bruce or Sybil because they do an amazing job. But you needed to have a professional dancer to carry that to help Bruce look like he was doing... Like, it's not that Bruce does a bad job, but he's looking good because Sandal knows how to make her partner look good. That's her job.
1: Well, considering he wasn't a professional dancer, he did pretty well. I thought he did a great job.
0: Yeah, and I mean... I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm not sure there's a sexier Bruce Willis in all of Moonlighting than this episode. I mean, he's kind of the height of, like, hot Bruce Willis, right?
1: I I think Shauna would disagree with you
2: there.
1: Mm. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day. Go on, Shauna.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we were talking about just that. I have my own points in the series where Sybil and Bruce are at their peak, and in all creatures, Sybil to me is at her peak beauty. For Bruce, it's, um, like season four, somewhere around like Ika's spouse. I think he just looks amazing. Um, but not to say he doesn't look great here. Of course. I mean, he's definitely hot Bruce, you know, just again, firing on all cylinders, I guess I'll use that, um, <laughs> phrase right. again for this. Um, uh, yeah. Season four, Bruce, I guess it's just slightly past diehard, you know, in the gym, you know, body's filled out a little bit more and, uh, just looks a little bit more mature, I guess. But Sybil, right right around this time, is just peak Sybil to me.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's incredible. So should we talk about Billy Joel? Yeah. Do we want to start with Billy, or we want to start with the plot? Or yeah. look at me. You yeah, summoned let's talk me about, here, and let's... I'm taking over already. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, start. let's start with the song, because that's kind of the driving force of this, uh, this dream sequence. Grace and I were doing our own little investigation the other day based on kind of what you were saying about um, how they got the song and Glenn's version of that story, which you disagree with. And I do disagree. We tend with it, to agree with
0: how how do you yeah. guys feel about it? Because I'm a huge Billy Joel fan and I bought the piano book back in nineteen eighty seven for The Bridge. This uh, this song comes from an album from Billy in nineteen eighty six. I think the album came out, but I think I got the piano book in eighty seven called The Bridge for those who really care, the singles off that were Matter of Trust and This is the Time, but Big Man was just like, you know, an album track. Um, what did you guys find out? And what do you think? Because Glenn says that that Billy wrote this song specifically for Moonlight.
2: Yeah, so I remember we had a short conversation about that, and we were kind of surprised when you said, no, that's not true, that's not true. And we were like, well, how does Scott know that that's not true? Because According to Glenn, Billy wrote the song, and then I think um, Glenn's version is that he even called Glenn and said, hey, I have this song. I don't know. Somehow Glenn found out, and they talked, and he said, if you want to use it for the show or something like that, there's some story out there like that. But yes, now that we kind of went through and did some research the other day, we agree with you. There's never any story of Billy Joel talking about Big Man saying that it had anything to do with moonlighting. So yeah, we can't find any record of Billy confirming that. Right, Grace.
1: Yeah. When I was researching it, the song was actually influenced by, apparently there's a street in Little Italy in New York called Mulberry Street, and he named it after that. That's all I know, but not for moonlighting.
0: Right. there Little Italy is on Mulberry Street between Hester and Grand, which is lyrics from the song. The, you know the song says <laughs> um, that he's between Hester and Grand, and that mm-hmm. is Little Italy. And it's funny because when I interviewed Glenn, I didn't bust his chops on this because that wasn't my job. My job was to capture everyone's memories for the book. And I did reach out to Billy Joel's people several times to try to get an interview. And they said it doesn't even have to be an interview. if Billy Joel could just write, you know, just tell you where this song came from for my book. And it's kind of hard to believe Billy Joel didn't answer me back. Huh. Hmm. didn't he know who huh. I was and I'm yeah. sure he said Wooly Bully three times so yeah. um, but in the back of my piano book from 1987 that I'm sure is out of print and th- I'm going to read you and what Billy Joel says about this song and he said there's a song called Big Man on Marbury Street which came from a picture I had of this guy I had a writing studio in Soho And I had 10,000 square feet where I had all this writing and recording equipment. I would go in there and work. But sometimes I would leave the building and walk down to Little Italy and get food, wine, and a little espresso. And the walk I took was on Mulberry Street. And I just kind of invented this character who thought he was Mr. Cool. The character is really kind of a nebbish, but in his own mind, he's king, the king of Mulberry Street. So I think... That he had this great song and Phil Ramone, who produced the bridge, worked on the Moonlighting soundtrack and also I'm pretty sure worked with Sybil on things. And I think he brought Glenn the song and said, I think this would be good for Moonlighting. And it is. I mean, these lyrics are so David Addison. It's unbelievable. And then Glenn does say that Billy Joel was disappointed in it, which might be true and might not be true, but I don't think Billy Joel wrote this for Yeah,
2: What you're saying makes sense about how it got to Glenn through Billy. And then maybe Glenn kind of built a story around that, you know, maybe it was interpreted that way or.
0: I'm sure Phil could have said, Billy Joel wrote this song for you. Why don't you put it on the show? You know what I mean? Like it just seems like a thing you might say, but. I'm sure Billy Joel it's- has no idea mm-hmm. how that song landed up on Moonlighting.
1: We hope you're enjoying listening to Moonlighting the Podcast. And for all you devoted Moonlighting fans out there, we now have Moonlighting merchandise. Check it out at redbubble.com people moonpod2016.
2: Glenn said Billy was disappointed in what, the song or how it was portrayed on the show?
0: How it was portrayed on the show. He didn't expect it to be. He thought it was going to be more of a music video thing. Not like a ballet. Not that it's a ballet. But you know what I mean? Not like an old fashioned musical number. Again, I don't know if that's true. I have never in my life. And like I say. I'm like a nutty Billy Joel fan. And I certainly was in the 80s and 90s. I've never heard Billy Joel mention it. And I've never got to talk to Billy Joel. I've tried. I interviewed his drummer Mm -hmm. once. That's as close as I got. But Mm -hmm. um, if I ever got to Billy, that would be my number one question is to ask him that.
2: Interesting. All right. So that's the song. Should we talk about the dream sequence?
0: Yeah. Is Grace going to set it up for us? I feel like Grace sets it up. (laughs) Grace. It's funny. Grace, I love when you bust out your facts, too. Do you want me to bust out my facts? Of course she does.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just the facts, ma'am. With the dream sequence, I actually timed it and the dance sequence went for six minutes and 10 seconds. But in the commentary, Jay says it's six minutes, 35 seconds. So I've got a bit of a discrepancy there. But anyway, it's about 30 minutes, 42 seconds
2: in that the dance sequence starts. And that's pushing into Maddie's head to the kiss. That's sex 10? Yes. Up until okay. the end of the
1: kiss and then she wakes up. Yep. And when this episode aired, it was ranked number seven for the week. So that's pretty good. The next episode was supposed to start on the 15th of October, but they didn't complete it until the 3rd of November because Sibyl was ill. And this caused the tight schedule for Atomic. So that's just a little bit of background with yes. regards to this episode. I like it. Very good. Um, that's all I've got so far. And then we can go into it. How do you like how it begins?
0: I think that opening shot is incredible. Um, Doing the legs, the first time you see it, you assume it's going to be Sybil because you want it to be Sybil, and then it's not. Mm. And I Mm. think that's kind of surprising. That's something that if you watch it a bunch of times, you might forget about. But when you think about it from a staging point of view, that you see these legs first, uh, before you mm-hmm. see the girl. And then the other thing to remember is that what you're seeing doesn't mean that it's true. This is what Maddie thinks. So this dream sequence yeah. isn't a reliable narrator. Those are my first thoughts. Yes. What about you guys?
2: I agree. You know, when we see the the legs walking into um, the bar, we hope it's Maddie. We think it's going to be Maddie. I assume everybody feels that way. And then she busts through the door and it's like, who's this? <laughs> And the whole dream is definitely Maddie's point of view. Her worst fear? Not really her worst fear. I think she was so shocked at the news that David was married. And her mind is trying to figure out how could this possibly be? And what was the scenario that they got together and why they broke up? Somehow she assumes that, uh, that the girl cheated on him and left him. It's kind of interesting.
0: Right, with a man. With a man. Cause, which cause we come the to find out comes out, which is a great storytelling yeah. because the first time and I, I don't know how picky viewers are, but they could just assume, oh, this is what, ha-, you know, totally happened. So it helps you with the trick later on, which I think is really cool yeah,
2: and edgy for that time, especially, um, you know, the funny thing is, too, we haven't heard David's story yet because uh, Maddie's not in New York and David hasn't told her the whole story about Tess and, you know, another person with your wife is another person with your wife. You haven't heard that before. So Maddie kind of assuming that Tess cheated on David and left him with another man. Yeah. it's kind of, she, you know, we haven't gotten to that part yet. So for her to assume it anyway, it's kind of funny.
0: And I also think that sandals dancing is so good. I mean, just Mm -hmm. it's like spot on. It's just so impressive.
2: Very strong dancer. Yeah, she's great. And Stanley Don, Do you know if Sandal and Stanley worked together before? Did he bring um, her along for this? I mean, they they hired a professional choreographer to direct this. So um, how did he come along with Sandal? Or were they hired separately? Do we know?
0: The choreographer, whose first name was Bill, he's the one that said, "We you, you want Sandal. Because he had worked okay. with Sandal before. Um, right. I'm pretty sure that Sandal said she hadn't worked with Stanley Donen because I think he was pretty much done at yeah. this point.
1: I think they pretty much brought
2: him out of retirement. Yeah. Okay. They just thought we need this this strong choreographer or this uh he's a choreographer, right? Or as he had uh, he's just directed a lot of um, past dance sequences. Is that what they wanted him specifically?
0: Yeah. Well, because he did Singing in the Rain, which is possibly the most famous dancing movie of all time right I I think that's probably true internet by all means come fight me but I'm pretty sure that when you have Gene Kelly Mm -hmm. and um Donald O'Connor and then also Debbie Reynolds dancing for two hours you pretty much have and everyone knows that you know singing in the rain part let alone other stuff I mean I feel like he's the most famous film director for dance i find it hard to believe there's someone better he was Um, actually
1: dubbed the king of hollywood musical at one time
0: yeah i mean i i'm pretty sure and i know that glenn said that he asked him at a award show or something that they heard jay told me that one of them said that it was like it was kind Hmm. of fortuitous that it happened that they were somewhere and Glenn had been wanting to do a dance number. And then I think the Billy Joel song came, and then he was like, he saw them at some Hollywood event and said, Hey, why don't you do this? And the guy was okay. like, No, I'm not doing that. And Glenn just kept asking. <laughs> yeah. And finally he said, Yeah.
1: Stanley Donnan known for singing in the rain, as we've discussed, in nineteen fifty-two. In nineteen fifty-seven, he did Funny Face a big one he did in 1963 he did charade and 1967 two for the road but he did many many other things he directed the video for Lionel Richie's song dancing on the ceiling because of his experience directing Fred Astaire's dancing on the ceiling routine from the movie Royal Wedding you know when he goes mm-hmm. up the side walls and up the top and it's amazing yeah. and he's won many awards so it was an absolute privilege, I think, for them to get him out of retirement, to direct that dance sequence. Fantastic to have him there. Fantastic.
2: Yeah, that was huge.
1: Yeah, it, it just all, all the pieces fit together in this episode with the talent, yep. the crew, the actors. It was just, oh,
2: fantastic. Yeah, well, as it's been said many times at this point in Moonlighting, they could get just about anybody on the show or right. everybody wanted to do the show, but if they really wanted somebody, they could yeah, pretty much get them to do it because it was so popular.
0: Yeah. I mean, everyone was watching it unless they were making out with their high school girlfriend. <laughs> I remember that was the headline <laughs> in the TV guide.
2: That great. Yes. The dancing, like you said, is really strong. And if you've ever danced, like I'm not a great dancer, but I danced um, with people who really know how to dance and they can make you look great. They just kind of push you around and a strong dancer can, really make their partner shine. And that's what she does for Bruce here. I mean, Bruce has commented, like, he put on his resume after this, you know, (laughs) something about, like, being a great dancer or something. And he's like, wasn't a great dancer at all. It's kind of clomping around, you know, (laughs) in the scene. But it's so unique. And she does, you know, help him shine.
0: Well, and I think the thing that's cool about it is that it tells the story. So... It isn't like they just were like, oh, let's get a famous director. Let's get them because Sandal, she was in all that jazz. And I mean, I think at that time, she was probably the most famous Mm -hmm. dancer of that time. And so you Mm -hmm. have these huge people again for Moonlighting is not enough. It's that you have this story that goes with it. And I never got to ALF, which was very disappointing for me, Mm because I really wanted to interview him. But Glenn said that when he wrote out what had to happen, they realized it wasn't long enough. And there is an extended instrumental part in that that is not on Billy Joel's album. And it's never been anywhere on Billy's album. And I don't believe that's Billy's band or anything. I think that's Alf's band. And Jay couldn't, he didn't know where the track came from. Glenn didn't know where the track came from. But I'm telling you, someone did a good job of taking that song into the studio, getting that middle part that has the, you know, an extended saxophone and making a whole different part. It's not just it's not like they just took Billy's vocal out and it's the same music. It's completely different. Now, it's the tune, but they had to hire a band and get a drummer and a piano player and a saxophone player and and do that center part and um i've always wished it always broke my heart that it wasn't on the moonlighting soundtrack and doubly so that they didn't release the extended version it's never come out anywhere
1: yeah well there's many songs that aren't on the soundtrack
0: definitely mm. but this one would at least yeah. have been different like we could have had the six and a half minute because I think the song's four and a half minutes. So there's okay. an extra two minutes of music that I think Alf did.
2: Sounds likely. So let's analyze the dream a little bit, um, going back to what I was saying earlier. This is Maddie's point of view. This is Maddie's assumption of what happened, you know, in, in her dream. So why do we think, knowing how David Addison is, you know, a bit of a womanizer and all of that, why do we think that Maddie would assume that Tess left david for someone else
0: Hmm. that's an interesting point because she doesn't know at that point huh
2: yeah he just kind of drops that bomb on her and leaves but him being a bit of a womanizer i mean it seems like she might assume that he played around and glenn doesn't always go for the low hanging fruit so maybe that's why you know just you might assume that david left her you know was young, played around or whatever but uh in maddie's dream she thinks that this woman left david so why you know what, I'd never thought of that
1: before. Yeah, because she didn't know yet. So yeah, I guess she's just assuming that he was with this woman and then for some reason they're no longer together because obviously he's now in Los Angeles. So she's conjuring up an image of what she thinks the relationship was in her dream. Good observation. I'd never actually thought of that because she doesn't actually know yet. He tells her the details in the bedroom later.
2: So another good one, Shauna. Yeah. Maybe it's the the romanticism in him. Because with all creatures, we get a lot of what he feels about religion and things like that, like commitment. He can play around. But when he commits, you know, is he the type of guy that would be serious about that?
0: Well, and also, I guess if we think of it from purely Maddie's point of view, she would want to think that this person broke David's heart and she's going to save David, that he's hurting Mm -hmm. from this. And she wants to be the hero. I mean, because she does wake up and get on a plane and fly all the way across the country to be there for him. So it could be her wanting to be the hero.
2: Yes. And maybe if he's the type of person that she might be with and the dream maybe is starting to show her that maybe he is, maybe she can't believe that he would cheat, be, be someone that would cheat on his wife because... She would need someone that was going to commit to her.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting when I talked to Karen Hall, who wrote the episode, she said that that dream was written way before she wrote the script because they had to work on it. So like that was something that Glenn did really early on. She actually didn't write you know out that story that like Glenn kind of pitched that story and he got the choreographers working and it was her job to write the episode sort of with that, knowing that oh and then I stop and there's a seven minute dance sequence and then my writing continues mm. um okay. so if we take it all the way down to there you know it could almost mm. be that Glenn tells the story So he sketches this out for the choreographers. Oh, she comes in. It's another lady. He likes her. It's good. Then another guy comes. He steals. David's alone. And then Maddie comes in. They dance. And then in the writing, someone said, what if we make it a woman? You know what I mean? So it could almost have been that. And they're like, oh, so it could just be that they weren't written at the same time.
2: Which I think is very likely. I think that Glenn had a list of things that he wanted to do in the show. And he's even said he didn't get to all of them. So I think this was one of the things he wanted to do a dance sequence in there somewhere. It was just an idea that he probably, like you say, had sketched out months ahead of time. And then finally, oh, OK, oh, we'll use that here in this episode. And then they fit the story around it. I think that's probably pretty likely.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I think so.
2: So Maddie is the hero and she comes in uh, to the bar after David's sad and lonely. We get at the feet again, but this time it is Maddie. And Sybil walks in looking very sexy. And what do we think about their interaction here?
0: Well, it's very exciting because and- this is, you know, one of their kisses. Like we at at to this point, we don't have. What do we have? Two, or maybe three? If is the de No, the desk one mm. is going to happen in the next episode. So this is the third mm. time we see them kiss, right? Let's see. Um, one th- one well, counting
2: Well, at least two there. So, two there, witness. That
0: episode is one. And then, okay. the witness for execution. one episode, witness.
2: And then at the end of which episode is it where Both they. Spontaneous? Yeah, the spontaneous.
0: Yeah, um, that, that might be before this.
2: Yeah, I think that's before this, isn't it, Grace? A man who cried wife. Yeah. So, this is um, maybe the fourth episode where they kiss, let's say, right? Only one real.
0: Right, yeah, I'll in mean, witness, yeah.
2: we get 14 real kisses by the way. In the series, four fantasy and seven alternate universe, so 25 total kisses. <laughs> 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 um, alternate universe being like dream sequence and atomic and things like that. Oh, atomic, yeah,
0: I thought you counted that. Oh, that did you're right at
2: the end, yeah. Oh.
0: They've yeah, kissed so... in the top. Right. well in bed so they, kid, in, yeah, that oh, they kissed three episodes in a row huh wow.
2: wow they're really hitting their stride on that one yeah you're right because in um job they kiss again uh and then the straight poop is it four
0: yeah straight poop was after yeah interesting there
2: of, oh my gosh they get they kissed four episodes in a row all of a sudden gosh how we never think about that that's so funny
0: Yeah, it's because those four episodes probably played over three months. (laughs) Exactly. Oh,
2: my gosh. I know, so funny.
1: Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes. And if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience.
2: So this kiss, I love this kiss and we'll have to uh, hear everyone's view on it. Cause yeah, I don't think everyone feels that way, but I love Maddie's in control of it. I think she just takes David's head and she, and treats him like a bobblehead kind of, you know, she's just like throwing his head around. Maddie does this particular thing that, and she does it in other episodes and at other times. And I just wonder if it's, it's, I guess it's Sybil where she grabs the back of his head and like pulls his hair. I don't know. Bruce looks very amused in this kiss as well. I think they just said like, go for it, Sybil. You're in control of this kiss. And I think she just like takes him and has her way with them and kind of from like biting his lip to grabbing his hair and all that stuff. I think it's very hot, very, very hot. I love this kiss. And um, One of my favorites. What do you guys think?
1: I actually love this sequence. It did apparently take some persuasion for her to do this dance sequence. And... um Apparently, she said to, I don't know if she said to Jay, because in the commentary, Jay says that it took a bit of persuasion to get her out to do this dance sequence. And she said, look, can you just promise me we'll only do it once? But it ended up they did do it a few times. I really enjoy that in her dream, she really wants to kiss David like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think their best kiss is probably the black and white episode, but it's interesting, David's in control of that one. But there's just something so exciting about that one. But this is probably their second best one. It mm. feels very, I don't know, I hate to use spontaneous again, but theres it's like an explosion. Um, and mm-hmm. it fits the music so well and the tight shot up on the two of them. But one thing that we have to talk about is that Sybil blows the dance move. And <laughs> I I think it's so interesting that they leave it in. And I think about that decision, because um, I know that Sybil wouldn't do it again. And her leg buckles mm. when Bruce drags her. And you know, Sybil said that's good enough and it wasn't good enough, but then also right. there's something I like about it. I know Sandal wasn't pleased and the choreographer really wasn't pleased when I interviewed them. I don't know if I put that in the book or not. Cause I tried not to put anything mean in the book, but I mean, <laughs> they were not happy that Sybil, cause they worked so hard on getting it perfect. And then she only has to do one thing and, her leg buckles mm-hmm. and she won't do it again until she mm-hmm. gets it right. Gosh, okay. but I kind of like the imperfection of it, which is funny because I I don't know. There's it. It kind of makes it work for me. How do you guys feel? Have you did you no, do you notice her leg move? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, but I really like it that way because you got to remember it's her dream. She's not a dancer, and I think it's great that it's not so perfect.
0: You haven't noticed it, Shauna, so I just ruined the dance for you. Now, every time you see it, it's really all you see. Once you notice it, it's all you see.
2: <laughs> it was perfect to me before today. Uh, <laughs> so when <laughs> when he takes her and kind of drags her backwards before the kiss, her leg kind of catches and buckles. I, I'm looking yeah. at it now. And that was n- not supposed to happen. What was what was Sybil supposed to do? What was the supposed to happen? The should
0: stay straight. The leg should stay straight. T- totally no, straight.
2: straight. Okay, it's okay, just
0: not it. easy to do like a, a regular human yeah. would naturally you. bend your knee when you feel that pressure of you being mm. dragged. But a dancer keeps yeah. that line straight. Okay. And yes. then it looks perfect. It's not human, but it's perfect. I like yeah. that it's that way. But I can see I mean, the choreographer was really upset by it. And especially when you're from that world, you want it to be perfect. And yeah. Sybil just didn't want to do it again. It's an interesting thing.
2: Yeah, I see. I see what you're talking about now. But yeah, I guess because they're not the professional dancers, it doesn't bother me. It's just sometimes it's just the way it turned out. And that's the way it is. Yeah, if you're a professional dancer and you're the choreographer, yeah, you're not going to be happy with a final product like that. And Yeah, I just think a lot was going on <laughs> behind the scenes. We've heard enough to know that there were certain days and certain times that weren't great. And it's no secret, right? Sybil's even commented on it. and she wasn't happy during this time, you know, they were exhausted and she probably didn't want to do it again. She got jealous that Bruce probably had a lot of um, extra time to rehearse and she didn't. Maybe that's why, you know, so I just want to do it once and be done with it kind of thing. So, you know, everyone knows one take's not going to be enough. And she knows that. Yeah. It's on her, but that's the way it is, is the way it is. What, what can you do? I totally see it now um, that you say that, but I, it doesn't, I guess bother me because to me, they're not the, the professional dancers and Hey, it leads into a hot kiss.
0: and that's what matters he's
2: he's worried about a buckled leg when you've got a hot kiss like that you know (laughs) interesting
0: i'm sure shauna's legs would buckle if bruce willis kissed her
2: exactly his legs wouldn't be buckling
0: it's it's normal to me And then Bruce Uh, did go on to win his Emmy for this episode. This is the episode he submitted, and this is where he won. And he should. He's incredible in it. I think she should have too, but Mm -hmm. it's nice that he won because he is great in this episode.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, good for him. He should have won. But yeah, Sybil should have won one as well, I believe. She probably should have won one for Every Dollar's Father is a Virgin, I think. Because she's got a a little monologue in there where she cries with with Robert Weber. Yeah. I mean, it's such unique television. It's such a great sequence, a great way to move the story forward without your typical just dialogue and acting out scenes. Who was doing a, what was it? Seven minute dance sequence in the middle of a, of an episode back then
0: or now. I remember they did it on Murder, She Wrote and Jessica Fletcher just danced. No, actually that didn't happen. That's right.
1: (laughs) Oh, you're funny. (laughs) Guess um, what, Scott? Sandel Bergman. Yes. Guess what? Sandel Bergman was on Murder She Wrote.
0: Well, there we go. Did she dance?
1: No, she was a police officer. <laughs> what do you need really? a police
0: officer on Murder She Wrote for? Jessica solves it all.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a waste. This, this was in nineteen ninety-three. That was way after.
0: <laughs> wow, I guess so. Poor Sandal. I loved Sandal so much. I want I you know had you had asked me to be on the show and i could have planned i would have brought sandal with me maybe but i haven't talked to her since i interviewed her but when we did interview she called me kid the whole time she'd be hmm. like i'll tell you kid i was quite a dance yeah. she just had she just called kept calling me kid and no one my whole life has called me kid like even my mom doesn't call me kid and I loved it so yeah. much. Cause I felt like it Well, like we were fellow <laughs> dancers. Like it seems like such a Broadway term, you know, Hey kid, let's see if yeah. we can get this dance step down. And uh, that's what I really think of I'm very with awesome. Sandal.
1: Did she explain her feelings about doing this episode? What she thought about the dance sequence?
0: Yeah. She said that in her life, in her career, her number one thing was working with Fosse. That working mm. with Fosse was number one for her, yeah. doing all yeah. that jazz, and they worked together in Chicago and many, many things. And number two was moonlighting.
1: Oh, that's so. Incredible. This wow. to
0: her was the second best thing she ever did. And you know, you're you're coming in two to Fosse. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's amazing. She said three was Conan, which I think she won a Golden Globe for Conan barbarian not conan o'brien i doubt she did Conan. (laughs) Um, Uh, yeah so she loved it and she worked hard on it too
1: did you know she actually did her own stunts on conan the barbarian because they couldn't find a stunt woman that was her size
0: that's Mm. crazy well she's strong so she should be able to
1: so with sandel bergman fabulous dancer she's known for conan the barbarian she was Valeria in 1982, She in 1984, Red Sonia in 1985, and Hell Comes to Frogtown in 1988, and Cheers, But back in 1970 to 73, she did 48 episodes of The Dean Martin Show and All That Jazz in 1979. Wow. She said, yeah. it was tough. I nearly lost a finger. Arnold, oh. as in Arnold Schwarzenegger, smashed his head against a rock but that was oh. nothing compared to what the stunt men were going through. <laughs> oh my god! And she's known as Sandy, by the way. People call her Sandy, not Sandal. Okay.
2: Apparently, interesting, interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, I knew Grace was going to have facts. I knew it.
1: <laughs> I'll give you some more facts about the dance sequence. Apparently. Glenn mentioned it to Jay before the end of season two that he wanted to do a dance show. They they referred to it as the dance show. And um, they met with Stanley Donnan in July of 86. And, you know, obviously to lend his, you know, genius and expertise because of his resume, what he'd done before. So they started planning this in July, but they started shooting it in October. And then Stanley was the one that recommended Jackie and Bill Landrum, the choreographers So they had meetings with them and um, they conceived the dance sequence and then Sandell's name came up. I think you mentioned that before, Scott. They'd shot two or three or four episodes that year and then all of a sudden there wasn't anything in the pipeline, script-wise. So unfortunately or fortunately, they shut down production for a week and Jay believes that it cost about $100,000 to do that. So what they did, they used that week to rehearse the dance sequence and um, the sequence took four days to shoot two days of first unit and two days of um, the B unit, the second unit. So what they would do is where, say, for example, where Maddie's in bed dreaming, Bruce would be on stage 15 with Bill and Jackie rehearsing. And when Bruce was in the bar, Sybil would be rehearsing her side of the dance sequence. And I'll tell you about the black set when we get to it. That's all I've got so far until we get to certain parts of the dance sequence. What are we up to now? We're up to Sybil.
0: Yep. Well, yeah. Well, um, and did we miss the part where there's the 10... Bruces, or uh, Bruce's I was just going to say,
2: yeah, mm. I was just going to mention that. That was uh, that was difficult. That was uh, some trick photography that was pretty new at the time, right?
1: Yeah.
0: They called yeah, it the black set. Yeah, I mean, set. that was a big deal.
1: Yeah, apparently that section of the dance sequence took a day to shoot with special effects and it took ages to do because, you know, it's not like nowadays you've got a computer and boom, boom, you're done. But that was shot with a B unit.
0: Well, and what Jay told me, which I thought was crazy – is it so easy to think like, oh, Bruce did that once, and then they put it on there eight times? No, Bruce did it eight times. Mm-hmm. There was no computer that you would copy, control, paste. Mm-hmm. That's why it took so long. Mm-hmm. He had oh to gosh. do it and stand in each of those places for them to use whatever crazy technology you had at that point? Because I asked him, like, how could that take a day? Didn't you just have to do it once and you copied it? And he was like, no, that's not how it worked. And I was <laughs> like, damn, like, we don't know how easy we have it with computers now.
2: Gosh, the time they could have saved.
1: He also did say he wasn't sure about the bar scene, whether it was done on location or not. Normally it would have been done in New York, but he believes it was done in studio. It looks like it is because it's very close shots. You can't see a lot of, there's no wide shots in it. You've got New York State of Mind playing in the background in the bar as well.
0: True. Yes, which was very exciting that there were two Billy songs.
1: You know what, Scott? Mm-hmm. When I was a teenager, I had a little tape recorder and I had all the Billy Joel cassette tapes. And every night I would put it on and I'd fall asleep to it. Hmm.
0: What album? Do you remember what album?
1: I'm just trying was to Was it think. like Billy
0: Joel's Greatest Hits? Or?
1: Yeah, I think it was The Greatest Hits. I don't think I ever had The Bridge. Yeah, it must have been Greatest Hits because it was all the good songs Ooh. on it. So, yeah, I always remember that.
0: Well, yeah, because, yeah, The Greatest Hits is quite an album. That was mm. the first Billy album I got, and then I got into him and got all of them. And it's funny, The Bridge is my favorite album of his. It's Billy Joel's least favorite album, which is so funny. He doesn't like The Bridge. He doesn't <laughs> sing very many of the songs ever in concert. He does big man Really only in New York City and not all the time. Uh, Maybe like once every year and a half or something. I've never seen it live and I would just lose my mind, like especially as a Moonlighting fan. And then also it's my favorite Billy Joel song. Uh, But what are you going to do? That's me. I always like the weird stuff. (laughs) Well,
2: that's what we love about you. I
0: don't know. (laughs) Weird stuff that we know about. All the weird stuff that I cared about when I was young, I'm now I'm now writing books about. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Are you going to play the song on the piano for us and send us? Uh...
0: Well, I was going to ask you. I mean, I can play it. I wouldn't play the whole thing because it's pretty long. I was I was practicing mm-hmm. today. Um, I'm certainly not going to sing it because it it's real high and nobody wants to hear that. Because it does get really high.
2: Do you want to play it live I'm, now or do you want to send us a, a recording? I no, I'll send you or, I'll you...
0: send you a video of it and you guys can use. I'll I'll just like play it through once. I, it won't be long. But um yeah. I'm going to pretend you're going to play it and you don't have to play it also. Here's the part of, you know, Big Man on Mulberry Street that I think is is why I love this song but also why I can't <clears throat> I can't not think of David Addison. You know, first of all, you have mm-hmm. this beginning part where it's bomb, 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 and that is so David Addison. It is loud. It is brassy. It's in your face. And, it, and the refrain of that song comes back every time. Well, in the middle of the song, there's a part that he says, maybe um, I have a sensitive side. And it goes into this kind of nice little um, behaving little tune. And to me, that is David trying to be the person that Maddie wants him to be. But then mm-hmm. after he does it for a little bit, then the piano clinks. And this is the part of the dance when David does all the punching where he throws him and Sandal throw the, the fist. Mm -hmm. both ways and it goes bam 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 and it's all these clanky notes because that's david he tries to behave and then he clanks and it goes right back to the bam, bam, because he is that's david he's loud he's brassy he's in your face he tries to behave but he can't do it for very long he's going to bust out and to me that all comes out through the music it comes out through the dance and it comes out through Bruce's performance of David Addison. So that is my interpretation.
1: I love it. it. That's awesome. I love that perspective, Scott. That's so good. It's like the song was written for David Addison. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, I wish Glenn Glenn was right, and I know why you could feel that way, but I think it was Phil Ramone who was kind of helping with Moonlighting and also he produced The Bridge. I think it was him who thought, man, this is like, This reminds me of David Addison, you know, and and sort of took it to that place. I mean, it doesn't take anything away because Billy Joel didn't sit down and think about Bruce Willis when he wrote a song, you know, like, but I, I do think this song is about David Addison and, and you know, to me, it's the Billy Joel song that's most about me as well. Like, that's always been my thing. Like, I, I, in my own way, I feel like I'm a big man on Mulberry Street. But, you know, I'm not. (laughs) But, but I don't know that. And I don't live life that way. And I sort of learned that from David Addison. He wasn't a good detective. He wasn't the king of LA. You know what I mean? He, He was, he was just this guy that had all this attitude. And, And I mean, we're all little big men on Mulberry Streets out there just trying to get uh, Maddie Hayes to see us.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's great. The song kind of encapsulates David's personality.
0: And yeah, what a great choice. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on and using your powers of witchcraft to summon me here. I'd like to go back To my home now. I mean, if you could just say uh, "Limbo Rock" uh, three times, that'll send me back. Unless you have other questions for me, but you know, I feel bad that girl at Starbucks is like waiting to get me my coffee. She's been very patient, hasn't she? Well, I'm I'm assuming time stopped for her. I don't know how this works exactly.
2: (laughs) It's a little late for coffee, Scott. Be careful. If you're ready to go, we'll send you back. And Grace and I will well, continue on discussing Big Man. I appreciate
0: all that you guys have done for Moonlighting. And I love that you're keeping the show alive. And I love seeing all that you guys do online. It makes me very happy.
2: Oh, he's very mm-hmm. sweet. And you too. And if you haven't read Moonlighting, the Oral
1: History by Scott Ryan, get yourself a copy. You can also go on our website, click on the link and purchase your book as well.
2: Thank you guys uh, so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming on again. Should we um, send him back, Grace? Beam me up, Scotty. Are we Scotty. done with them?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Grace, on the count of three, let's uh, limbo rock him back to Starbucks so he can enjoy Saturday evening. One, two, three. Limbo, limbo rock. rock. Limbo, limbo rock. rock. Limbo, limbo rock. rock. Bye, Scott Ryan. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for visiting. We'll see. Thank you, Scott, for joining us for Big Man on Mulberry Street, part two. And also, thank you to our Moonlighting fans for listening. Stay tuned next week for part three. Well, until next time,
2: I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting Moonlighting, the the podcast. Podcast.